Pull up a chair. There's safety here. A place to hold the weak and the bold. Let this be a sacred cradle to find you at the holding table. Hey, welcome to The Holding Table. This is Brave Bones. Last time we all sat down together, Mystic Sister and I welcomed you and we started to share some of our vision for this podcast. And today we're going to continue that conversation, um, sharing a little bit more of our hopes and even our struggles. We, I remember when we recorded this, we were sitting in, it just felt like such a cozy nook of the Klein family home. And it just felt so peaceful and intimate. And I remember right outside the windows, there was a beautiful garden and a majestic oak tree. And there's some bird somewhere singing a sweet little song. Um, but it really felt like the perfect place to set our first holding table. So today's episode picks up with me sharing a quote that is meaningful to me from philosopher and theologian Jean Vanier. We don't know what to do with our own weakness, but pretend it doesn't exist. How can we welcome fully the weakness of another if we haven't welcomed our own weakness? And I think this just kind of speaks to what we're talking about here that, yeah, we could make the choice to pretend like we haven't had these struggles or pretend that we're not in the midst of struggles right now. Um, but how will that help us be in relationship with the world around us? How will that help us be in relationship with other people? And you made reference to the word reflection, I think, earlier. Mirror. Yeah, A mirror, yeah. yeah. So I think my hope is that what the work that we're doing here will be a sort of a a mirror a reflection back to people of their own brokenness and beauty yeah. right like that it all is welcome at this table um can coexist it all can coexist mm-hmm. and you don't have to show up with your perfect crudite platter you it's know a- rainbow order vegetables or whatever <laughs> But the flip side to that too is like we have to really sit with our own brokenness yeah. or our own wounding or our own darkness or maybe every single layer of those mm-hmm. um, in order to truly and and respectfully hold someone else's mm-hmm. in a healthy way. Um, knowing where I begin and where I end and you begin. Um, yeah. And that is... Um, a really important piece to this work of coming to the table together is that as we become mirrors to each other, um, that we are curious about the ways we trigger each other, that we're curious about what comes up when we are together. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and doing, we've said it, like doing life together and um, no, I'm not doing life with you. No. <laughs> it gets a little weird, guys. You're like, bitch, it's too late for that. <laughs> um, yeah, but like, le- excuse me while I stretch. Um, learning how to 
I think, and we've talked about this before, where if you've had a really toxic upbringing or your background just was not emotionally healthy and safe, sometimes you think that, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to be with my friend who's having a difficult time and there's a lack of um, personal boundaries in that. And so I think sometimes people jump in, like they take on this role of like, oh, I'm going to take on all their drama and I'm going to let it consume me. It's consuming them. Like there's very little um, um, differentiation. So like I think part of getting to this place of being able to hold space for people is learning okay I'm me and you're you and that's okay Mm -hmm. we can come together in these moments we can we can um, share things we can carry things with each other but ultimately your stuff doesn't have to eat at me and and chip away at my identity Mm One of the illustrations I love that I've heard you use before is the box illustration. Oh, yeah. So when I was seeing a therapist for probably a couple of years, um, I walked in one day and I was just so like irritated and annoyed and feeling like, like I wanted to be able to just walk in and bring in like a little perfect PowerPoint presentation and be like, here are my issues um, let's wrap this up in 10 short weeks. Okay. Okay. (laughs) And I couldn't do that because we as humans are so complex and so dynamic and damn it. It's so frustrating. It is so freaking frustrating when you can't just, Oh, we're just going to talk about my mommy issues or my whatever, (laughs) you know, like, and so I just had this moment, like where I realized, I feel like my emotional world, it, it made me think of like a living room that's full of boxes, right? And it's like either moving day or you just moved in or whatever. And all the boxes are labeled, right? So this one says kitchen, this one says laundry room, this one says garage, whatever. And you open up a box thinking, okay, cool. These are the kitchen things. I'm going to put these kitchen things where they belong. And again, the kitchen things, it's a metaphor for like whatever issue you're struggling with, whatever emotion you have. Maybe it's like, issues with your dad or maybe there was addiction in your past or whatever and you're choosing to open that box and you're like okay I'm ready to do the work and I'm going to put the dishes where they belong because these are kitchen things and you open the box and there's like like q-tips in there (laughs) and like nail clippers uh, crap that doesn't belong in a kitchen and then you realize wait this goes in that box over there this is the bathroom box stuff and it's all mixed in with the kitchen stuff so I think sometimes like we want things neat and tidy, but that's just not how our, our emotional world is. So we have this box of stuff. Like let's say, for example, it's the box that contains your sorrow and sadness as related to losing your mom when you were a child or what have you. And you open up that box and you realize this isn't just the mom thing. This has stuff from this other box labeled addiction in it and you know and you're it's just it can be so multi-layered but the thing that I think Sarah was referencing was like sometimes people have their box right of their stuff and they kind of march into your little living room 
and they drop it on the floor because, well, you already have boxes. You know what to do with them, clearly. And they drop it on your floor <laughs> with an expectation yeah, that you're, you're going to start sort helping shit. sort and yeah. organize. And and to be fair, old Sarah, old Mystic Sister, ooh. and old Brave Bones. Ooh, ooh, child. Ooh. <laughs> we would have organized yes. that shit. Absolutely. <laughs> and if, and it, most of the time, it would have looked like we know, knew what the hell we were talking about, right? Mm-hmm. Sure. Like we could tell that friend, yeah, yeah. Here's how you're gonna. Here's yeah. how I'm gonna. Here's fix, what we need to do. Yeah. Here's yeah. how we're gonna problem solve. And now, granted, I mean, yeah. There's times where that can happen, but my point is, when people come into your space, drop their box with this expectation, and then depending on your like mental your status. framework and your mental status, <laughs> you might be like, oh, oh okay, okay, because this is gonna give me a sense of worth mm. if I help this person mm-hmm. fix their stuff. If I jump into or they're the gonna like them, me, or... they're gonna like me. They're gonna feel yeah. loved by me. They're gonna accept mm-hmm. me a little bit more. That I know I won't feel like such a bad person because I spent time with them and let them vent and vent and vent and vent and vent and vent and, vent and crap all <laughs> over me. And you know what? That's I don't think that's healthy. I think it's yeah. okay to have that desire to want to help people. So I think what when my turning point happened was there was a particular person in my life who kept bringing the box in and dumping it. And when I finally was able to communicate to them. Hey, I'm totally down to look in your box with you, but you need to invite me into your space and I need to have the agency to yeah. say, yes, I have the energy and the space and, yeah. and the compassion and the empathy to be able to do that with you today. Otherwise, dude, for no. another friend. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and so I think it's a matter of like learning again, like I'm over here with my stuff mm. and you're over there with your stuff mm-hmm. and we can mutually... We can invite each other be helpful. in and yeah. be helpful, yeah. but we don't have to like jump on this drama train. Yeah. Whew. And that's where I get so intrigued with our patterns in, mm. in drama, but and I think just like family history and, and the way we find self-worth and all those, kind of all those layers, because I think, our, I don't think, I know, that our brains create patterns. Yeah. Our neurological system literally creates patterns in our brains. And it's part of the reason why we have, we're alive still is that we have fight or flight, right? But as a result of perhaps what, what we'll label as drama um, and not actually um, like true trauma wanting help, just kind of chaos. Mm-hmm. Sometimes we get really, even as the helper, we get really addicted to that helping process, quote unquote, mm-hmm. air quotes, helping. Yeah, it's that chaotic, it's the chaos dance. Yeah, and our and chemically our brains and bodies um, seek that out or begin to seek that out because that's where our equilibrium then sets into the chaos realm. Right, so if we have that history yeah. of trauma and chaos and trauma and chaos, that's what our brains are going to create. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. what we want and we stick to. And so then... At some point, I know for both you and I, that has stopped working for us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we were like, holy shit, get me off mm-hmm. this train. Get me off this crazy train. Yeah, and I and I feel like an asshole, but I can't handle the crazy train mm-hmm. anymore. Mm-hmm. And it's it's the the amount of time and effort and energy that it takes to take two steps off the crazy train. And allow our brain that still wants the drug of crazy train to learn and understand what rest and peace looks like, what I'm here and you're over there looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, 
that's some real good work. Mm-hmm. And I don't know that that work happens or can happen without community. I agree. And healthy community at that. Yeah. Um, which is the beauty of doing life. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think that if we, it's like Auntie Brene says, or I, you know, the yeah. patron saint of social, <laughs> social workers, work. and you know, her whole thing is she's a, a shame researcher. Like that's what she does, and she writes about the difference between you know vulnerability and shame and guilt mm-hmm. and all that and the nuances that exist there. But um, to be a vulnerable human, it's so counter to what our culture tells us mm-hmm. we need to be. Um, especially as people in the developed nations or, or like, well, in America, like where we are, like, it's all about pull yourself up by the bootstraps, never let them see you sweat. Um, and let's be real. I'm not talking about like, we just have to walk around every day showing our emotions to everybody. Like, no, like people, people kind of get to earn that, that, that spot a bit. In like, a healthy world. In a health, yeah. yeah. And yeah. You, we help people earn, or we allow people the opportunity exactly yeah like I feel safe enough with you yeah and so I don't mean to infer that we just walk around um, oversharing yes <laughs> oversharing every two seconds now if that's you and you feel like that's happening it's totally like there yeah. are resources out there and you may be that person for a season. I'm sure I've, I, dude, how many times did I call you complaining <laughs> about my husband? You know, or like yeah. texting you and like, but ultimately you think, I'm so thankful for you because so often you would respond with a question. It wasn't, here's what you need to do. Hmm. So often you would respond with something that would make me really look deeper and yeah. look inward. And yeah. I'm so thankful for that. But I wouldn't have, I don't think I'd be where I am now if I didn't engage in that communal Mm. risk taking Mm -hmm. process of putting myself out there Mm -hmm. and frankly, letting myself get like knocked down a couple notches a few times. Like I remember going to you and being (laughs) like, my husband, he's doing this, this and this. And you're like, yeah, like, why are you being such a bitch about it? And I'm like, (laughs) hold up, wait a minute. But, but we need each other to kind of speak some truth or shed some light in a healthy way. Like I knew that Sarah, when she would make that comment to me, for example, like, (laughs) wow, you're being kind of a bitch towards him. I knew that when I would leave her home, she wasn't like all like internally like torn up because, Oh, Aaron was being a bitch towards her husband or her husband said this and that. Like there was still that, that differentiation. It was her and it was me, but we could still be friends. And I think, and there was never any doubt that I loved you or cared for you. Right. That I was really curious. I would, you know, in those moments, I could usually, there was a genuine curiosity about what was bringing up your reaction to exactly. whatever was happening in, in the marriage. But, and, and ultimately, having my own marriage failed, the, the, the silver lining of being uh, divorced and my marriage ending um, was that there's an ability to know... Or to, to have just kind of a very quick awareness of what is maybe a husband's work and what is a wife's work. And I don't mean that in a um, sexist way. I just mean as what is, a, in this particular situation, it's a husband and a wife. But, like, what is partner one's work, personal work? What is partner two's oh, personal work? I see what you mean. And then the ways those two works <laughs> are overlapping t- to really agitate each other in a way that 
is bringing up the work that you have to do together. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just say there was a lot of it. <laughs> and you guys have done so much. We've done a lot. So much. A lot of work. And there's nothing, honestly, I love more than seeing... And I, you know, in a pre-recorded uh, version of this, we talked about this is not going to be duck face selfies. Oh, right. Version. Right. But I love, there's nothing I love more than seeing your and Mark's selfies on the <laughs> internet because I know mm. what it took for you to get there. I did. And there's no duck face happening there. It's right. It's just right. true well, adoration. What, what she's referring to is like, <laughs> We wanted to make sure that this podcast wasn't... Look uh, at me! Yeah, look at us. And <laughs> listen to our And banter. we have it so together. Yeah, we've totally figured our <laughs> shit out. And I'm a licensed therapist, so I know something. Oh, you know what, girls? I don't know shit. Boys, <laughs> I don't know shit. I mean, I know some things. But but truly, like, we didn't want this to be kind of like the audio version of, like, the duck face selfie and the whole, like, oh, how many filters can I slap on myself? Mm. Um, but I do appreciate you saying that about, you know, my husband and I, we, it's been a long journey. And um, I don't know how else to explain it, but it has not need. been easy. <laughs> so, because here's the deal. The reason why I say that is because for yeah. many years when I would listen to Oh, couples talk about their marriage and how they've done the work. Mm -hmm. I would just be like, well, yeah, of course it worked out for you because look at you. You're both dressing alike. How quaint is that? Mm. Um, You finish each other's sentences. (laughs) You're both on the same page politically, um, spiritually. Yeah. You you know, like, and my husband and I are, did I say this already? That we're the oil and the water. And so, and and truly, we are opposites. Mm-hmm. We are opposites in every single way. And and people think it's so funny to say, oh, well, opposites attract. Ha, ha, ha. And I'm like, no, bitch. Let me explain to you how hard it has been. Yeah. And not not to the fault of any, either no, one No, either of one. Us. Yeah, this not, doesn't make um, one of you wrong. But yeah. it's been, it's work. And I think any, anything is, is anything worth doing is going to be work. Yeah. Um, whether it's working out or me being on this stupid Whole30 diet right now. Or, um, half kidding. I don't entirely hate it. Um, mm. But, yeah. All I'm saying. But mostly. Yeah, mostly. <laughs> most of the time. Um, so, so, yeah. And, Marriage and is I, work. It is work, but life is work too. Mm. Um, but they're also, like, I feel like, you know, there's some people out there that are like, you know, life isn't hard and... Stop using that negative language. I'm like, well, look, the way I look at it is this. Work is also very fulfilling. Yeah. Like we, the way we're wired, if you want to say that we're designed, if you believe that way, like the way we were designed is we do things with our hands and our brains and and we walk and we, we build and we, you know, like that's in us. So I think work can be very gratifying and very fulfilling and very joy bringing um, and even this kind of work, the things that we're going to be talking about in this podcast will be th- themes of loss and grief and heartache and freaking liars and difficult people and um, trauma and all these different things. They're not always going to be easy yeah. to discuss. Um, and I think that's that's okay. Mm-hmm. It, this is a safe little spot where... When you're ready, if you're ready to listen in and hear how a couple people are doing that, you know.
there's a book I read a few years back and I just resonated with every single page in it. I felt like someone in a very different career also identifies as male, um, (laughs) had written all the life lessons that I had felt in previous years. And it's called, um, be you do good. Ooh. And I haven't read that. How is that possible? I don't know. I have like six copies at my house. I'll give you one. (laughs) Yes. I keep them on hand. But one of the most, um, meaningful things that I resonate with on a daily basis. And I have to remind myself as someone who's a little more visionary, Mm um, is not to worry about the end result, the mm. goal, the dream, but to do things um, step by step, little by little. Mm. So the phrase in that book, I think the way they put it is one brave step. Mm. So that today in this moment, you take one brave step. And I think as we think about that in terms of the work that we have to do within ourselves or in relationship with each other, mm-hmm. um, that we, you know, Anne Lamott would say little by little, bird by bird. Mm-hmm. Um, but that as we notice things within ourselves that are not congruent with who we want to be or who we think ourselves to be, that we take time to notice and get curious and take one brave step into that, mm-hmm. you know, whether it's a little bit of darkness, um, whether it's, you know, just some pain and wounding, mm-hmm. um, just, just, just. Um, just a little bit of pain just, and wounding. Yeah. But that it that it's okay to do that yeah. one step at a time and to not worry about the giant end result, mm-hmm. um, but just to be present to that one step faithfully. Yeah. That's why I really appreciate the 12-step model in that way. Like, mm-hmm. the recover, like thinking about recovery, like, breaking it down right yeah. and um you know i encourage a lot of my clients like it <laughs> to to kind of really be curious about stepping away from the black and white thinking mm. of like i'm either super failure or super awesome successful totally self-actualized amazing whatever whatever yeah. whatever you visualize yeah, whatever that like is the for ultimate you. 10 mm-hmm. right or the 11 <laughs> and then knowing that there's this whole spectrum in between yeah because i mean i can that res like i get that like i can be a very outcomes oriented person like well what's the point what's mm-hmm. the purpose how is this going to end what's the, and goal? I, what's the goal and then i catastrophize my way into mm. doing nothing sometimes because i'm like oh crap if this is going on then x y and z is going to go on <laughs> and i can see the ultimate horrible dastardly outcome that awaits me and i've had to learn to like hold on the only thing you are responsible for, it's you're right not responsible now. for that ultimate yeah. outcome. Yeah. You're responsible for right now in yeah. this moment. And then right now. And then and right then now. And the next right now. And then the, yeah. But if you think about all the right nows, that's really overwhelming. So yeah. you stick with the one. Yeah. And I think that for me, that has become even tiny steps like just noticing the breeze in the trees. Mm-hmm. Noticing the bird call mm-hmm. outside right now. Do you hear it, people? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, and you know that by doing that, we're tapping into our parasympathetic system mm-hmm. and we're getting into those somatic therapies, which is like where my heart sings, yeah. <laughs> that we are creating new neurological pathways that then support us in creating more healing and more rest and 
and, and more hope. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I think people, um, it's easy to think, well, this is just some kind of woo-woo thing that you're doing. And I mean, and, pause. Well, we do have a candle real. lit. We do have a candle. <laughs> there is a candle, but that's just because we were going to talk to the dead later. But we decided not to do that anyway. Um, but yeah, and it, it because it's it's there's insert research behind sarcasm. it. Yeah, insert sarcasm. <laughs> <laughs> mindfulness practice is huge and that's kind of what we're describing here is like the act of noticing and the act of being curious um and you're right like it it does create new neural pathways which is amazing especially for people who have experienced trauma where your brain is kind of just looping and looping and looping and like what you were saying earlier i don't know anything about trauma you don't know shit about trauma (laughs) you had such an easy little sunday school life i did up until about two years ago well you're gonna have Girl, I don't know. I wouldn't minimize all of. Well, I'm just saying on the spectrum of trauma. I went from we can't like trauma is trauma. Trauma is trauma. Everybody interprets it differently, and and your brain's not like, oh, that was trauma. My trauma. No, it's It's trauma. Trauma. It was trauma. It was derailing. You know, like anyway, go on. Well, I was just gonna like for our listeners who may not be super, um, (laughs) who may not know me intimately as Mystic Sister. I, I was married really young. I had a fairly, you know, normal childhood, I would say, aside from, like, a narcissistic mom and dad. Yeah, there's that. <laughs> aside from not really being able to exist as a human. <laughs> Sorry. Somebody is cringing that we're laughing right now. You know what? Here's the deal. Welcome. Lots of counseling. Welcome. <laughs> Pass the potatoes, please. More gravy. Yeah, more gravy. I was just going to say that. No, but really, I grew up in a home that I, um, my parents did the best they could with the resources they had, and it turned out the resources they had um, didn't meet the needs of a very highly sensitive, shy kid. Mm -hmm. And for me to exist in that home environment and to work towards thriving, I needed to be a wallflower. Mm -hmm. And so I took that wallflower protective nature that served me so well growing up mm-hmm. a slight sarcasm <laughs> and chose a partner that was really good with me also being a wallflower and not to to not to his discredit but just to who we were as wounded individuals mm-hmm. finding each other in our 20s mm-hmm. and so uh i remember like a pivotal conversation where I was speaking my truth, I was speaking my truth, I was speaking my truth, and coming, I, I was really struggling in, in what was going on in our marriage, and feeling alone, and in the middle of this heart share, I remember my partner um, saying, are you done yet? Oh, girl. And he's since apologized, let it be made clear. Um but I remember in that moment it being like a red flag was dropped. Like it was like a point for me to remember like, oh, that's what I've been feeling this whole time. And 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 honestly, like I chose him because he treated me the way I was used to be treating, mm-hmm. treated. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, yes, Aaron, it was marriage was not a fun world for me. And there were moments I would say that I absolutely made the most of what I could in that Mm -hmm. situation and tried to find joy and tried to bring out the best in him and in what we had together. Um, 
But that was trauma. There was trauma in there. Um, and, you know, leaving that, my I wanted a divorce, and so I asked for that. And then a week later, my dad passing, and that was a huge trauma mm-hmm. for me because mm-hmm. he um, had become one of my best friends. He was my sounding board. You know, anything that I... It's anything that I love and brings me joy today, and even the ways I make my money, um, <laughs> what little I make... <laughs> is all connected to things that he saw in me mm-hmm. and encouraged me in. Um, mm-hmm. My photography, he was the one who first taught me how to use a camera and and showed me and gave me his. Mm-hmm. Um, I love to drive. I don't make any money driving. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I love to drive and I love a good uh, steak. Those two things were given mm-hmm. to me by my dad, those experiences. Mm-hmm. My guitar, he gave yeah. me his. And made sure that I, mm-hmm. and when I was working in the dark room years and years over this um, college, uh, doing like yearbook photography, he was like, "How about I get you a CD player? Because I know how much you love music." Mm, amazing. And there, there's these moments of joy weaved into all sorts of bullshit. <laughs> um, and I've, but I feel like yes. most most of college in my marriage, like relatively untraumatic and then we hit the last year and a half and I I'm a just just so we're all clear um I'm 38 I am half Italian half I don't know what (laughs) um and but I present as a white female and I would say that I've lived a fairly privileged life but in the last two years um I was in a bar during a shooting i'd like to add it was 11 30 on a friday <laughs> bad things are not supposed to happen then yeah. in my in my framework um i was uh yeah there's a couple of things that happened i found out my dad wasn't my dad um which was shocking um and then more recently i was uh, assaulted sexually assaulted and drugged and these are not things, there's probably, oh, I found out someone I was dating was not who they said they were. Yeah. That's like kind of putting it lightly. Yeah. Yeah. But there was some deep betrayal um, yeah. and loss. And I think the, you know, we're, I'm still in it. Mm-hmm. Like those situations, even though I'm five years out from a four, four years out from my dad dying. Mm-hmm. I'm still in that. That still exists. The yeah. sadness of that still is in that sadness box mixed in with self-worth and <laughs> yeah. and um and what's next yep. and yeah. Well, and I think one thing that you through the work that you've done, you've really modeled the I don't want to say mo- I mean modeled. Yeah, that's the only word I have. I, I is feeling the feelings. Mm. <laughs> um, my to be fair, it's I'd have to be a robot. But I mean, but not like I don't know. Yeah. I see people. Maybe not. I mean, look at the work I do. Like yeah. I have people yeah. that are so disconnected that they're willing to pimp children yeah 
they're so disconnected that they're willing to they have they're fine with shoot like yeah they murdered their mother like Mm -hmm. these are the clients that i'm working with and so and of course that's an extreme end and i know like you have to like you're a mom like you got to keep going you got to still make the pbjs and do your thing Mm -hmm. but at the same time that's me oh is that your phone yeah at the same time i think um when we've talked and when I hear you talking with other people or even some of the things that I've seen you post on social media, I s- like, you're not running no. away. Yeah, no. Right? Yeah. Like, there's the two extremes of, like, super running away and numbing, numbing, numbing. And again, I don't even judge that, though, because, hello, because the human brain is just there's trying no to judgment. figure it. Yeah. yeah, there's no judgment. But then there's the other trauma. extreme of, like, let me puke my drama all over everybody, and you're going to feel my feelings, goddammit. You know what I mean? Like, whoa, like, all borderline style. But I've really seen you just kind of really trying to hold space for yourself. Yeah. And doing that through your yoga, your friendships, yeah. this, the environment that you've created for yourself, like you're holding space for yourself. And I... That's the hardest fucking that. Work. It is. It's especially when you're, you're, work. you're not just responsible for yourself, but yeah. you're responsible for your kiddos yeah. and all this other stuff that you do. Yeah. And I, that, I resonate with that for yeah. sure. And like, oh, and you know, I remember you posted um, just that one line on Facebook, which ended up, you know, I ended up writing a song about it when you were losing your dad Mm. and you so I think just simply and poetically and painfully beautifully said it hurts because it's supposed to yeah now whether that was a reminder for yourself or whether that was like a a cry of like ouch or whatever it was yeah it just whoa it just hit me so strongly because it's truth yeah it hurts because it's supposed to yeah have the pain for a reason yeah and not that it makes sense or no. that it has to happen for a reason or that no. to, to qualify the yes <laughs> i am a fan the of evangelical no let's stay away phrase. from bad theology <laughs> i just want to put it out there because our listeners may not understand no. where have we're you seen from. my t-shirt it says bad theology kills because no. <laughs> it does so i'm not saying like oh wasn't it wonderful that you lost it's your dad first, everything yeah. happens for a reason Pew. Yeah. no i shut that down thumbs yeah. down no gross yeah but just but pain is painful yes yeah, because it's a process that our our mind and body probably has to go through exactly. in order to get to the other side yeah, yeah and I then believe it was that's so cool. really it inspired that song coming out of me and i've yeah been able to play that for people and for myself like i <laughs> played that over and over yeah in times of feeling yeah. significant loss yeah Pie. 
And that is a result of me finding my voice, yeah. right? Like that's, and that's the cyclical. That's cool. Yeah. yeah. The cyclical mm-hmm. piece of it is like, the more I got in touch with what was going on with me, the more I was able to freely yeah. communicate even just that little bit. Just that tiny bit. Yeah. And that's again, just for today, right? Yeah. Just one step, just that little bit yeah. that we were talking about. Curious enough for right now. And so that's what we want to do with this podcast. Like, we want your voices to be welcome at the table too. I'm reminded of my own, like the way the tone is at my house. Um, my kids have a voice at the table. Um, now, you know, I'm a Hispanic mama, so we don't tolerate like back talk and nonsense. I was going to say, what about foul language? No. Well, foul <laughs> we, language too. I, we, we, I had know, an incident. I have to, like, we had an incident. We had an incident. Your kiddo dropped the F-bomb, and I was like, no, that's not going to happen. <laughs> um, For the record, the F-bomb is welcome at the Scheidler table. Yeah. Because I can't. The, not that our table. But not yeah, at the Wartburg table. The bones and you know house. what? The Bones house. Yeah, the Mystic. <laughs> oh, sorry. The Mystic, uh, Mystic Sisters table, uh, it, cursing is uh, allowed as long as it's not at someone. Yeah, I love that, though. Um, I mean, don't get me wrong. And Great Bones. We do curse in our house. I, like, I just don't use the F-word. Yeah, and not at the table. Not, a, not the table. table. The table, and there's a there's a, a element of respect. However, at this table, you bring you your fucking fuck. believe that we're gonna be dropping some <laughs> bombs. 
Anyway, my point is that I do believe that everybody who comes to my table, whether whether it's my seven year old son yeah. or my you know seventy six year old father in law, like I want people to feel like they have a voice and they have the right to be seen and the right to take up space mm-hmm. and bring whatever they can to the table. Again, even if it's just themselves. So yeah, that's our hope. Yeah, and. We'll see how uh, episode two goes, but thanks for listening, everybody. Yeah, wonderful to to share this with you. So if you have questions, thoughts, curiosities, wonderments, hit us up. We'll have a place for you to do that soon. (laughs) It'll be in our show notes. I've heard heard the experts say that, like the professional podcasters. Oh, I've seen those show notes. Yeah, they'll be like, just um, look at the show notes for the, you know. We have show notes, people. We're going to have show notes. No, note shows. Show notes? Am I show saying notes. that right? You're saying it right. Show notes. That's something you I would do. You know when you say stuff over and over yeah. and it starts sounding weird? I think show we've been notes. talking too long. Show notes. <laughs> so that's it for this week.